Everyday spirituality is going to be our theme for the next few weeks uh, with different talks. Uh, today's everyday awe. Next week is everyday ritual. Then we're exploring everyday forgiveness. But I just wanted to share, uh, if you're here or experience all three messages, what I wish for you. What I wish for you from this series is that you can embrace forgiveness as a daily way of life so nothing stands in the way of loving fully in this very moment. I wish for you to practice daily rituals that ground you in your own spirit in a way that inspires you to live your true life. I wish for you to have ever with you a ready awe so that you will always live in wonder. And I wish for you that even in the mundane, you see the divine. One of my favorite musicians is the great Tom Waits. And in the 80s, Tom was a stay-at-home dad. And the local school loved him because he had a 1960 Coupe de Ville, which means he was great for field trips because you could fit like 10 kids in there. And one day, the field trip was to a music store, and Tom figured, you know, he'd be recognized there. So he brought some autographed photos and things like that and got there for the field trip, and no one recognized him. Not the music teachers, not the salespeople, not the cashier. And a few weeks later, there was another field trip, this time to the Waste Management Processing Center. And the kids got to see what happens with waste. They got to learn about recycling. And Tom is walking back to the car with the kids, and it's surrounded by people. So excited to meet the great Tom Waits. And Waits concludes, everybody knows me at the dump. (laughs) And I love the story because it speaks to this idea that we may not always get what we want the way we want it, where we want it, but if we're willing to visit the mundane, even when we're feeling in the dumps. It's amazing what the Spirit can continue to provide with us. If we're willing to have that ready awe that is always available to have an experience of wonder. And that's our message this morning, everyday awe. And there's a really great new book by Dachner Keltner called Awe. The New Science of Everyday Wonder and How It Can Transform Your Life. And it's available in the bookstore. And it really, um, Keltner is a scientist, and he's really making an argument about the role of everyday awe in our healing process. And he defines awe. He says, awe is the feeling of being in the presence of something vast that transcends your current understanding of the world. One more time. Awe is the feeling of being in the presence of something vast that transcends your current understanding of the world. He goes on to say, what is an experience of awe that you have had when you encountered a vast mystery that transcends your understanding in the world? So engage with me here. When you look back at 2023 so far this year, what were your major moments of awe? What were your major moments of awe? Self-care. Great. Love it. Denver Nuggets. Nuggets. (laughs) The Laker fan is still attending the group, support group. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Granddaughter. Oh, yes. 
Abundant rain. I love it. Yeah. My first thought goes to spending time with my daughter, Nancy, especially in nature. We're out experiencing life uh, in the universe's primordial playground. Whether it be playing in a creek or taking a hike together in in the mountains, it's not just the, the awe experience of spending time with her and being in nature, but as we know, when we spend time with kids, you can get those glimpses and those experiences of seeing the world through her eyes, that childlike wonder. That's the first thing that I think about. Anybody else got another one? Okay. I heard cataracts, but I'm sure you said something different. Kids in our neighborhood. (laughs) Another one uh, for me is, is getting to write. I love having time alone to write, uh, especially when it's creating sermons for, for you. And in particular, it can be awe-inspiring because I can sometimes only have an hour to put together a talk for Sunday, and I don't really know what I'm going to say, and it just starts coming out, and I can experience um, a wiser part of myself you know, begin to, to channel through and to speak. And it's amazing when we prepare for awe how it can come forward through us. I also have multiple experiences of awe right here in this teal sanctuary on a weekly basis. Uh, One of the ones most recently was uh, our own Reverend Zamira gave her first Sunday talk here at Mile High Church at the end of May, and she was giving her Mile High testimony of being with the church here for 20 years, and she was sharing um, her own personal struggles with anxiety and speaking in public, and she's doing this in front of hundreds of people, speaking with such grace, grace, and poise, and confidence. And I'm always inspired when I see any of us, whether challenged or celebrating something going on in our lives, step into our wholeness. It's an awe-inspiring experience, and it's a great privilege. It's a privilege of a lifetime to behold and witness that type of experience. Anyone else this year? Waterfalls. Waterfalls, all right. So, there's some, some commonalities in some of what we're sharing because the thing with awe is you can't force it. You can't say, okay, I'm going to have my awe experience right now. It doesn't work that way. But you can prepare for it. You can have that ready awe. And so I want to share with you what I'll call today a few awe ramps, a few ways to prepare for awe so that you can live your life with everyday wonder and experience deep and transformational healing. And the first awe ramp is solitude. Solitude. Sometimes it's just so good to be alone. And the shadow side of solitude is isolation. It's disconnection. But that's not the solitude I'm talking about today. That's being a recluse. I'm talking about the kind of solitude that I've discovered in my life, which has been the most surefire way to remember that I'm never alone. It's in solitude that I return myself to myself from anything in life circumstance that I've given my spirit away to. It's in solitude that I can meet my God again and allow that divinity to have an awareness of itself in me. It's where I make that real connection. And, you know, we throw around that term introvert a lot these days, and I think we misunderstand it when we think an introvert is someone who doesn't like social settings or interacting with other people. 
An introvert is someone who recharges their batteries when they're alone. And in that sense, I think we could all be better introverts. Not so that we can separate from the world and the people we love, so that we can reconnect with them with greater self-awareness and grace as ourselves. Henry Nouwen, the great Catholic teacher, describes solitude this way. Solitude is the furnace of transformation. Without solitude, we remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusions of the false self. Solitude is not a private therapeutic place. Rather, it is the place of conversion, the place where the old self dies and the new self is born. He quotes the 5th century Christian ascetic Diodocus of Photiki, don't quote me on that, who said, Timely silence, then, is precious, for it is nothing less than the mother of the wisest thoughts. When you achieve real solitude, you're able to put the life you're thinking aside to experience the greater life that's living you. The greater life that's living you. And we get distracted from it because we think this life we think we're living is so serious and I've got to make money here and I've got this to-do list over here and is so-and-so mad at me. Oh, I can't take it. Put the life you're living aside to experience that grander life that's living you. And solitude is one of the all-ramps to getting there. Another all-ramp is art. Art. Creating it, experiencing it. I'm so grateful when I have that opportunity to, to, to write, but for you it may be painting a picture or making music where I can again put that life that I think I'm living aside to experience that grander life that's living me that would express in this life that I'm living if I would give it greater attention, if I would create room for it to come in and make itself known. Thanks for entertaining me with all my musicians today, but another great musician I appreciate is the great Nick Lowe. He wrote a hit song called Cruel to Be Kind, and he wrote a great song for Elvis Costello called What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. And I was listening to an interview with him several months ago, and he talked about someone he called the Baloke. The Baloke. And he said, I, Nick Lowe, know how to write a good song. I can write one right now. But the real special times is when the bloke shows up. We in religious science would call the bloke capital B bloke. It's this higher intelligence. It's this aspect of ourselves that's always there, but we're not always open to allowing the bloke in, this greater creative spirit, to write through us or create music through us or draw a picture with us or whatever it may be. But when we create art, we express are feelings that have yet to be processed. We've expressed a, an emerging point of view to see ourselves and the world in, in a more profound way. We come back to ourselves and become that much more who we are. So we can express art, and then we should fill our lives with the experience of art. Harold Bloom, the great literary critic, he said, wake up in the morning and read something important as soon as you can. 
It's very meaningful to me because as soon as I meditate, that's what I want to do is read. But whatever the art form you're moving along with, I don't know about you, but I don't want to surrender first thing in the morning to the noise and the busyness and the cruddy consciousness and the panic and the anxiety and the, you know, the thing that I just expressed. I want to think higher thoughts. I want to think about what matters. I want to experience my life not as I have thought it was, but as it is in this moment. And there's a great gift that how you fill your life with art can help you pause and remember not the life you're leading, but the life that's living you. Frederick Buechner said of art, art is saying stop. It helps us stop by putting a frame around something and makes us see it in a way we would have never seen it under the normal circumstances of living. As so many of us do on sort of automatic pilot, going through the world without really seeing much of anything. Now the shadow side of art is escapism. Don't use art to escape reality, to try and numb out or unplug. Use art to plug yourself in, to turn yourself back on to life and what it means, to process emotions and thinking. You know, Akanto is a great movie, but it's not the only reason I sobbed all the way through it, right? There's stuff to, to, to be moved through me that can happen with a great experience of art. One more awe ramp, nature. The beauty of nature. Colorado in my six years, this, this week of being here in Colorado? Yeah. Is that okay with you, honey? We're doing good. Hi, my wife, April. Uh, you know, and, and this is God's playground scattered with McDonald's and Home Depots and uh, mini malls and all of that. And I, I love the nature here in Colorado, not because it's just all around us, but if you work really hard, you can find these special places and experiences that, that uplift you in, in awe. And how many of us have had that experience in rush hour on the way to work on home where we've experienced salvation, noticing a mountain peak with the sun shining on it? How many have felt out of harmony with ourselves and our lives and just stared at a river or a creek and thought like it did for a moment and had an experience of congruence and coming back into harmony? Nature is the great healer. Nature is the great healer. And when we can allow ourselves to be in it, we begin, yes, to even think like it. We begin to see there's this whole grand life that is easily exchangeable when we're living in a place of misery or depression or struggle or self-rejection, to give ourselves back to this life. And what it does is it blesses that life we're living with greater prosperity, healing, and understanding. The shadow side of nature is it can be dangerous. That's when I called Dr. Patty Luckenbach, who after a windstorm raged through our preschool playground, look at her using the force pretty much to put things back over there. We love and appreciate you, Dr. Patty. Look at that. Keltner in his book on awe tells us the story of uh, combat veteran uh, Stacy Bear. Stacy Bear had, filled, had fulfilled multiple tours of duty in Afghanistan and Iraq and was living uh, back at home a miserable existence, suffering from trauma, PTSD, high anxiety, addicted to prescription medication, 
therapy not doing the trick, suicidal, no longer wondering what he had to live for and as. And Keltner shares, as he was spiraling downward, a friend insisted that before Stacy blow his brains out, he go climbing with him on the flat irons near Boulder, Colorado, a series of five sandstone slabs that just upward to heights of over 7,000 feet. Stacy had rappelled down tall vertical walls dozens of times. On this day, though, tied to a wall of rock, looking down hundreds of feet, he froze. His body trembled. He sobbed. What was the point of his service? A career in the military, the lives of people he saw die, his life. A single phrase arose in his mind, get outdoors. Get outdoors. For those experiencing trauma, PTSD, I I can't begin to understand what you're going through in order to prescribe what I think you ought to do because I don't think there's anything wrong with, with you. But could it be that simple things like getting outside, simple things like spending more time in solitude, simple things like surrounding your life with creating an experience of art could help bring about a kind of healing that can help you manage and continue to be courageous, living a fulfilling and thriving life in spite of the incredible difficulties that you've been asked to walk through in your life. Could it, could it be? This is Keltner's argument. He says, everyday awe then can be a pathway for avoiding chronic inflammation and the diseases of the 21st century such inflammation is associated with, including depression, chronic anxiety, heart disease, autoimmune problems, and despair. I asked you to think about your awe experiences this year, but what about just this week? Your experiences of awe don't have to be transcendent, mystical experiences. They should seem normal, yet they should fill your heart with a, with a reverence and an awareness, not just of that life that you're living, but of that life that's living you. Anybody got anything from just this week? Grasshoppers, mariachi bands. I love this. I'm seeing these visuals. <laughs> Butterflies in my garden. Butterflies in the garden. The Renaissance Fair. All right. Supermoon, rainbows, wonderful answers. Uh, our family cheated. We got to spend the week in Vail. So all of those natural experiences with Nancy June, sometimes up uh, over 11,000 feet, were just awe-inspiring and filling me with that, that sense of gratitude. And I want to say something, and it may sound a little weird, but I just invite you to consider it, that if your life right now is filled with multiple frustrations or a sense of disconnection, anger, uncertainty, lack of self-esteem, that it could be that it's not a result of the contents of your current circumstances, It could be that you have the wrong thing at the center of your life, that you're living for the wrong reasons, and that your frustration, your hurts, your sense of disconnection is simply a byproduct of living for the wrong thing or things. What would it be like if we lived at the center of our life, not with the goal of trying to create money for ourselves, but with experiences of awe? What if at the center of our life was not 
the ongoing continuation of conflicts and judgments and scrimmages with others, but healing. What if the center of our life wasn't a series of experiences of self-rejection, but of self-acceptance, love, and compassion? How would life be different? And we can even take our moments of frustration and uncertainty and judgment and disconnection and use those as all ramps. We can use those to recognize that I'm not centered in the right purpose of my life right now. And I need to get back to it. You can move from stuck to flow. You can move from judgment to reverence. You can move from self-rejection to self-acceptance. And that can be the very awe ramp that inspires our soul. To quote from a favorite song of Tom Waits called San Diego Serenade, he says, I never saw the morning till I stayed up all night. I never saw the sunshine till you turned out the light. I never saw my hometown until I stayed away too long. I never heard the melody until I needed a song. Every day this week, I challenge you to ask yourself the question, did I have my moment of awe today? Did I have my moment of awe today? If you're not experienced with the awe ramps, ask yourself this question in the morning and think about the things that you might do to create and prepare for those experiences of awe. Ask yourself in the afternoon and see if you've gotten there yet. And if not, think about what you need to do to get it in the evening. Or at the end of the day, pull out a journal, something to write around, to write on, and, and write, what was my moment of awe today? In the end, you will not identify your life by the struggles, dramas, or challenges, but by these moments of awe. And it sounds simple, but it's really profound. To live a full life, feed your spirit. To live a full life, feed your spirit every day. To live a full life, feed your spirit. It could be a walk around the lake on your way home from work. It could be waking up 15 minutes early to experience a little bit more solitude if you're able. It could be taking intentional time to connect with people you love and care about so that your relationships are growing and not just transactional. It could be creating that art or making sure the music and the films and the books that you take in feed and awaken your soul as opposed to numb you out to it. To live a full life, feed your spirit. And as we continue to feed our spirit, that life that's living us begins to infuse it begins to weave and integrate into that everyday life we're living until we can say they are one and the same. So moving into prayer this morning, I invite any of our prayer practitioners who so choose to stand and join me. What does it mean to make our hearts transparent to a divine power that knows the purpose and the cadence and the rhythm and the harmony of life in a way that perhaps we can forget or disassociate from? What does it mean to make our hearts 
an open vessel to allow God to speak to us through the language of awe with a ready reverence, willing to experience this divine life that too many of us, because of a lack of self-worth or of attachment to dramas, have cut ourselves off from. Let us commit this morning to open ourselves up to a ready relationship with awe, that way that the divine speaks to us through grand visuals, through secret experiences within, through the gratitude of being alive, the ability to give thanks for everyone who's ever loved us and supported us on our path, to recommit and to see the central role of our life in supporting and loving others. What does it mean to live as our own soul, a soul in this experience of life, cultivating awe, reverence, forgiveness, understanding, self-acceptance, and a world that indeed works for everyone as a beacon of light without any illusions, grounded in the truth, co-creating an everyday spirituality that causes us to live the truest, most sincere, and enjoyable life possible. We let it be and become, and so it is. Amen.